Welcome to our Frontline City Church podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. So I want to talk today to us about distractions. With 20 years of ministry, you know what I've seen in people's lives. Just shortly before the breakthrough, there's a distraction. Just shortly before the promotion, there's something that goes wrong. And I've seen it again and again and again that people are operating towards something. And then Satan gets involved in the last second and they don't step into all that God has. And I want to talk about those distractions that come up often represented as an opportunity but they are in a distraction in Thessalonians 2 and verse 18 Paul says for we wanted to come to you certainly I Paul did again and again but Satan blocked our way so some of you have got plans that you want to do for God and things that you want to achieve and every time just before you get it done Satan gets involved and puts a stick into your wheel into the speaker or the spokes of your bicycle wheel and everything goes wrong and you go how was I so well on my way and then all the wheels fell off the first time that I felt God calling me to full-time ministry I was studying in the daytime the theology and at nighttime at Bible school and in a three-month period I had three major car accidents By the end of that period, I wasn't studying anymore. I had to go to work to pay for all of these things. Everything that I felt my life was going this way had suddenly turned that way because of Satan's interference. And I want to talk to you guys that Satan is out there to stop what God has got planned for you. And he gets involved in all kinds of ways. And we have to be eyes open to understand that Satan is there to distract you. Whenever you set your heart in a certain direction, expect distractions. Expect things that makes you fall away from your period. I want to say that most of this that I'm preaching is a sermon I heard from Apostle Nikki. So it's not my own, it's my dad's. But I believe there's a double blessing on when I bring what he has already brought. So the word distraction is made up of two parts, dis and traction. Does that make sense? That it's two parts. So the word dis means apart. So God wants to, uh, Satan wants to get you apart from the traction that you have going somewhere. So that first part, dis, means Satan is out there to saying, how can I get a separation between you and your destiny? How can I move you away from what is happening and that God is trying to establish and get you stuck on something else? Like Paul says, he was stuck for many times. He tried to come to them and then there was a storm and then there was a shipwreck and then there was another need. And every time he was stopped from fulfilling his destiny. And you must understand that it is like that. Mom and I love, if we've had a busy day, looking at funny YouTube videos looking at things that go wrong. And I'm just so glad that we don't get icy conditions here. 
Because in icy conditions, there's lots of distraction. People lose traction when they try and walk on ice. And you see guys leaving their front door and on the steps, they go down. And by now, we can already predict what's going to happen once the security camera starts focusing on somebody walking out of their front door or walking down their driveway and they lose traction on where they want to go to. And uh, exactly like that, you walk out of your front door with a very clear vision and a knowing of where you're going, and Satan comes and makes you slip away like this. We've watched the young people come into church. God starts to work so powerfully in their life. But there's a lot of distraction for young people. There's a lot of stuff that are saying to young people, this is more important than your destiny in Christ. Or later on, you're going to follow your calling. And the next minute, they never fulfill it. (laughs) People get dragged away from their calling by a distraction. David was distracted by lust, okay? Appointed by God, given so many blessings. And then some beautiful woman goes to Bath where he can see. And everything that God had done is suddenly out the window. And it costs him his firstborn son. Distraction will cost you. Samson was distracted by Delilah. Okay, so women are... <laughs> Ladies, don't be a distraction. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just teasing. But Samson, I've been studying the story of Samson lately. Such a powerful calling. Before he was born, the word and the prophecies came about what he's going to do. And some go wave the eyelids at him. And everything comes to nothing. A complete missing of God, what God wanted to do because he counted his time with her more important than his time with the people of God. Eve got distracted by the fruit. Again, the woman, sorry. (laughs) Now I'm just teasing about the woman, but... She got distracted about the presence of God because the snake had something to say. So there'll always be something talking in your ear to distract you from the presence of God. That will be there to pull you away. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You cannot reach your destiny while you're looking around at everything else around you. You have to set your eyes on the calling and be committed to it no matter what. Sometimes a blessing is a distraction, and sometimes trouble is a distraction. But distractions come in many forms. And as Christians, we have to 
recognize distractions. In Nehemiah 6, and this was to me quite an, an eye-opener. Let me first mention something. I don't know if any of you guys know Joel Osteen that we see on TV quite a lot. Him and his wife was dating and they went to a baseball game. Basketball or baseball, sorry. In a huge stadium that seats 16,000 people. And they weren't pastors yet. And they sat in the stadium as two people dating and made a joke. One day our church will be this size. Today their church is in that very stadium. They have 45,000 people attending over a weekend through many services in a 16,000-seater stadium. But when they were sitting in the stadium, God spoke, and He gave them a direction, and they never got distracted, and they followed it through. You have to go again and say, what did God say to us when we were young? What did God say to us when we were dating? What did God say to us in our early years? And what has distracted us? What has pulled us away? Sometimes it's good stuff, and sometimes it's plain sin that distracts us. When we put anything above the presence of God, we are distracted. And it comes just before your breakthrough. It comes when God's building, God's building, God's building, God's building. And I expect people to break through. And I see distraction steps in. Church, we have to learn how to manage distractions. Turn with me to Nehemiah 6. Now, I've often preached, and I will do in the next while, about Nehemiah 2, 3, and 4. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. But now we're talking about Nehemiah that's gone to build the wall and he's nearly finished. He's nearly, nearly finished. And Satan gets involved. So the Arabs came and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So they built this whole wall, the big job. The small job that is left is to hang the doors. If the building is standing and the walls are up and everything else is done and all you have to do is hang the doors, you are close to finish. The race is won. You just have to do that last step. And they heard about it and Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of, oh no. Okay, some of the leaders know because I was teasing them. Do they know where the plane of oh no is? So there's a thing that calls you out to the plane of oh no just before your breakthrough, just before your destiny, just before you finish what God has called you to do. Nehemiah was called to rebuild the wall. And he's done all the hard work. He's raised the money. He has brought the equipment. He has fixed the stones. He has built this thing. It's a wonderful story. We will spend some time on it in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, he is so close to the end. And now Satan is upset. 
Now Satan knows that if he leaves you to finish that last step, there's going to be no stopping you. He knows that when he gets across that little ridge, that little speed bump, you're going to fly. And he knows that just at that moment, I've got to organize some distraction. And he'll send a Delilah, or he'll send a Bathsheba, or he'll send something that will distract you. Can I be honest? Business distracted me for 20 years. This business, and I said, I don't want to be a burden to the church. I want to provide for myself. And I thought I was so holy by doing that. And it was a distraction. Kept me out of what God wanted to take me because I met my enemies on the plains of Oh No. So they sent a message and said, meet me at the plane of oh no. So we have to learn to say no to things in our life. When you say no to certain things, you are automatically saying yes to others. And when you say yes to some things, you are automatically saying no to others. Do you understand that? Let's just use yesterday as an example. When I say yes to go to a rugby match, I'm saying no to the prayer meeting. And I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just using the example that if they happen at the same time, you have to choose one or the other. And Satan often wants to distract you. And I'm not saying the rugby was a distraction. I'm just trying to bring a yes to one is a no to the other. Can I challenge our men for a second? When we have a prayer meeting at five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, all the men tell me they're busy and we have five men here. If we have rugby at 5 o'clock on a Saturday, we have 25 people there. Now, what happened to everything that kept you busy? <laughs> ah, praise God. <laughs> it was a great time. It was a holy time. It was very important. Your woman should have prayed more. <laughs> so the invite comes to meet them at the plane of oh no. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So sometimes an invite is a plotting to harm you. Sometimes an invite to do something is a distraction set up by the enemy to stop you from finishing the work. So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Not every invite is of God. Not every opportunity that comes your way is of God. But some of us are looking so desperately for an opportunity that we don't look if it's God or not. We just run. Okay, these guys want to meet with me. Let me go meet with them. It's going to be a great time. Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave them the same reply. The fifth time, Sanballat's servants came with an open letter in his hand. Okay, so he put it on Facebook. He made sure everybody knows that you're invited. There's a rumor among the surrounding nations. Rumors are often a distraction. Rumors are often a distraction. 
If Satan can't get you with the truth, he'll start a rumor about you. He'll say saying something just to distract you. Sure. There's an anointing here now of distracted people. That's realizing that I've been distracted. There's a rumor around, among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true. Okay, the, whatever they're saying, I, they've told me it's true. That you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his rep reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there's a king in Judah. You can be sure, very sure that this report will be back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. So he's threatening in an open letter that I'm going to tell the king about your distraction. I'm going to tell the king that you are not doing the right thing. And so to protect, we often go and meet on the valley of Ono so that we can sort out the truth. But some distractions you just have to ignore completely. You just have to ignore it. In verse 9 or verse 8, I replied, There is no truth in any part of your story. Church, don't ever get distracted by rumors. Don't let rumors come to get you off what God has said. I dislike, I can't say, yeah, I hate, but I dislike tremendously when I hear somebody said that that one said, that that one said, and that that one saw and it's not can't be fat fast because somewhere somebody has fallen into the confidentiality trap somebody has said I can't tell you who it is no we have to bring truth into the, because then we can discern is it a distraction or is it an, uh, just a situation? Is it something that God is trying to do? Or is it a distraction? The only way we can discern that is by truly seeing what God is doing. So they were just trying to intimidate me. Imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. Satan wants to discourage you. Satan wants to tell you, you can't finish this. You're not good enough. You're going to get into trouble when you do. What if? So Satan will find anything he can to get you off what God has got for you. And if you go back to the scripture that we read just now in uh, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before you. Satan was doing everything he can to stop the wall of protection being built around Jerusalem. They had done all the hard work. They had worked so hard and done everything they could and got through everything. But yeah, right at the end, just before they step into the next thing, Satan is saying, okay, now I must distract them. Now I must find a way to get their eyes off hanging these doors, off completing what God has said. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and grandson to Matthew, who was confined to his home. And he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. 
Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. Now, this is a prophet that he met up with. And the prophet gave him a prophecy that he must go and protect himself. Instead of finishing the work, the prophet was saying, go and protect yourself. So even sometimes, listen carefully. Don't let prophetic words distract you. Don't let anything get you off what God has said. Double check. That's why the Bible says prophecies must be judged. That's why as a church, we don't believe in parking lot prophecies. We believe they must happen here in front of at least the home leader of the person who you are ministering to. Because that person knows what God has said about that one. And I'm not discouraging prophecies. I'm just saying it must be done correctly. Because Satan is doing anything he can to distract. Anything he can to get people off track. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat has hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and to make me sin. Satan is out to intimidate you so that you can end up sinning and then not reach your destiny. Remember, verse 14, remember, O oh God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sanballat has done. And remember the prophet and all the prophets like her who had tried to intimidate me. And the builders completed the wall in verse 15. This is so important. So on October 2, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. When God starts to do something, it's got to shake the surrounding areas. Understand that in 52 days, they didn't build a little measly single brick wall. They built a wall big enough for chariots to race on top. Right around the city, and that wall still stands today. Because that wall was built by God's hand and not by man's hand. So if it was 52 days that ends on the 2nd of October, we are now in about day three of those 52 days. I've done this some a few times. Okay, so it is absolutely about, about the 10th of August they had to start and they were finished by the 2nd of October building that wall. And they were under attack and things went wrong. They built up so much rubble in chapter 4 that they lost their strength. They got discouraged and they constantly had the nagging and the rumors in their ear. But they set their eyes on the prize and they refused to look left or right and did it in 52 days. You see, we have to understand that in these days, to finish something, anybody can start something. And I see people start something at speed, and the moment there's a bit of resistance, I was expecting a hundred people in my church in the first two weeks. There's only ten. Was I? You hear that so often. We're going through a struggle. Not everything has been paid for. Were we called by God? Is God real? And we go into that sort of like Thomas anointing. 
So if I can't see the breakthrough, then I don't believe it's happened. But you know what the beauty is? That Jesus came and revealed himself to Thomas. So even if you doubt, even if you don't battling to understand it, even if you are grappling with what God has done, the only thing you have to do is keep on showing up. Because that's what Thomas did. He still kept saying, that. he said, well, I haven't seen what you've seen. I haven't experienced what you've experienced, but I'm not leaving you because I also want to see it. I might have said something. I really want God to show it to me. And that's a good thing. It's actually the God wants us to engage with him like that. And we become powerful people to proclaim the testimony. If there was a struggle in the process, if it didn't just happen overnight, if you have to keep on pushing for it. I want to end this piece of the ministry by reading from 1 Chronicles 4. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So his name means causing pain. How would you like that name? Um, if your mother calls you a pain in the butt, okay? If your mother calls you the one that's caused me so much hurt. And we all know that what a child experiences in its early years carries right through its life. So as a baby, he is named Jabez, the one who's causing pain. And some of us has felt that in life, we have caused so much pain, we don't know how to get away from that thing. We want to do good, but somehow it doesn't work out like the way we want it to work out. We want to bless people, but in the end, we hurt them. And we carry that name of hurting people in such a way that it becomes our identity. And here's Jabez praying. So Jabez called out to God of Israel saying, If only you would greatly bless me and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I might not suffer pain. Now that suffer pain is in every translation different. Some says cause pain and others says suffer pain. So what it is that his pain he was causing made him to suffer pain. It's a, a both sides of the same coin. And he says, God, increase me and keep me from pain. Keep me from disappointing people. Keep me from causing hurt. Keep me from being a stumbling block. And I believe God is saying that to the people of Frontline. I want to enlarge your territory, but at the same time change who you are. Because if something is your name, then it becomes who you are. And God is saying, I'm taking you on a fresh and new journey, Frontline. I'm taking you on a place where you will not be causing pain. I'm taking you on a place where you will be enlarged. And if each one of us is being enlarged, then the church will be enlarged. If each one of us has a greater authority area, if you're caring for one or two people now and God takes that to four and he does it to all of us, suddenly the church is doubled. Because God is enlarging each one's territory. Amen. But it's a dual prayer. 
it is a prayer that God, as we are enlarging our territory, let us not cause disappointments. Let us not become distracted. Let us be able to focus on where you are going with us. So, I believe that God truly is speaking to Frontline and saying, some of you, survival has become a distraction. Just getting through every single day, getting up in the morning and facing what you have to face has become a distraction. And God is saying, I'm calling back that which I said in your early days. That which I said before he even came to Jerusalem, God said to Nehemiah, finish the job. And no other distraction that came in was able to get him. No rumor, no open letters, no attack, no even saying that there's an attack on his life couldn't make him fall away from what God had called him to be. One of the greatest distractions in the church is offense. I come to church and somehow dad messes it up. Somehow dad doesn't greet me or he greets somebody else on a better way than what he greets me or he never gives me a chance to bring a prophecy or he shut my prophecy down or whatever we do as we try to manage the church it causes offense and I see people run away from the destiny. And I see the destiny is this big and the offense is that big. It's like somebody tripling over a gravel stone, you know, like gravel's tiny stones. So I see a big person tripping over a piece of gravel and missing what God's got for them. Don't let little stones keep you away from what God's got for you. Step over them. Step into the next realm. Can I ask the worship team to just play something for me? I believe that it's stand for a minute or two. If you believe you have been distracted from your calling, you've been distracted from what God has wanted to do from you, and you want to just ask God to bring you back today, I believe there's a time to say, God, I've drifted away. I've gone through stuff. I've been in the wrong place. Or you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. And you look back at your life and there's been distractions. Like I say, for me, business was a distraction. For others, stuff is a distraction. Sin or whatever. Um, car accidents was a distraction for me. I want to say, if you have been distracted from where God has called you, we're going to sing just a little piece of a song, just like the chorus. And just as you stand there, ask God this question, God, have I got distracted? Have I allowed life to take me away from where I should be with Christ? And I want you to respond and just saying, I admit that I got distracted. I admit that something took me away from where God has got me. I've laid my first love down. All of my life, I've never followed what God has got for me. Then come up, I want to pray for you. I want you to come forward today. I want to pray for you.
We hope that you enjoyed today's message. Our services are streamed live on our Facebook page every Sunday morning at 9.30. For more information and resources, please go to our website, www.frontlinecitychurch.co.za or look us up on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube.